So uh, I have a little question for you all, which I am sure the answer is never at Top Church, okay? I'm absolutely sure. But have you ever been to a boring church service? Obviously, you can all say it once, not to Top Church, but take that as grant, yeah. Have you, um, have you ever been to boring church service? Yeah, 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 yeah. And particularly, if I dare say it, um, this hope really isn't being recorded, an Anglican one. Yes, yeah, yeah. When we do boring services, we do them the best, don't we? If you've ever been to an Anglican service, the worst thing is, is when you get there and you know it's going to be, let's be honest, a bit formal and, and you know, very moving, obviously, but you know it's going to, and then, and then you get given, you actually get given the order of service, all the words in it, don't you? And does your heart ever just sink? You just think, oh no. And then you turn to the Eucharistic prayer. Now, I don't know if you know, the communion and the Eucharistic prayers, we use the shortest ones available, okay? They don't get any shorter. It's prayer H, done, dusted, KFC, drive-through, but in a very deep and meaningful way, okay? But you, that no one else, everyone around here, they use B's and C's and D's, and Sarah, she's not here, she loves an E. Uh, that came out wrong, <laughs> that came out wrong, doesn't it? Anyway, uh, of the Eucharistic prayer type, who knows about her past? But the thing is, and you, and you, t- you think you're getting there, you've had the sermon, particularly if you're a free church background, it's like the sermon coming at the start of the service is a bit freaky, isn't it? And then, and then you, you get that, and then it's the longest Eucharistic prayer ever, and you just say, this is just dreadful, isn't it? And then you have to sing a couple more hymns. So, so I'm sure that never happens here at Top Church, but I'm sure you've done it. And even those, perhaps some of us from a kind of free church charismatic background, if we are honest, just occasionally 45 minutes of singing, it's just a bit much, isn't it? Just sometimes admit it. No, you're too godly. You're too godly. Oh, I knew I'd get a pincher admitting it. Uh, yeah, just even if you're on the drums, you know, that amount of singing in a 15-minute preach is, you know, can be very moving in different ways at different, but, you know, it, whatever. Okay, so, so I'm sure that never, but obviously not, not, not here, done and dusted within an hour. So, um, but anyway, so um, I've had those experiences anyway of, of services, and the bizarre thing is I lead most of the services I go to. So, uh, and so I, I know those kind of services, and I, I went to one, um, I'm not going to say which church in Amblecote it was, um, which Anglican one, um, but I went to one, and um, it was a kind of midweek. So this is when I used to lead a, a church called Chornhill Church, a sort of a charismatic uh, free church, and everything in me was just wanted something a bit um, more deeper, a bit more Eucharistic, a bit more kind of sacramental, bread and wine centred, and, and, and just a nice uh, sort of a, a service with a different journey and a different pattern to it than, than the one that I was leading everyone else in. Uh, um, so I used to sneak off to um, like the 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. like midweek communion service, okay? So kind of sneak off and hopefully no one would know me or recognize me or get suspicious. But there was one person who was always there who was also in my church. She was naughty as well. And uh, Joe Towers Evans isn't here today, but I met her there once. And that's Claire's mum. So she used to sneak out there as well on a Wednesday and we just pretend we didn't see each other. So, but anyway, I was in that service and um, I love the priest there, Alan. He's an absolutely lovely man. And I have to say, it was rather boring. Okay, so I was going there to get something a bit sort of new and different, even though I knew it would be traditional. And, you know, it was sort of like a bit boring. And I'd come prepared. I'd have a, had a couple of espressos, so I knew what I was going into to stay alert. I had, you know, I knew it was going to be a long prayer. I knew there was going to be a bit of singing that I didn't know what was, we were doing and standing and sitting. And, so, and I had extra strong mints with me, which is my favorite. So I was all prepared, you know, everything you need for a good uh, church service. So I was kind of all ready uh, to go through it. 
and I have to say, it just, it just quite, it wasn't, it was one that I just think, oh, it's not quite, mm, come on out, put some, you know, it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite sort of, um, but happening. But then I thought, no, come on, James, you, you've come here, you've snuck out, um, no one knows you're here apart from Claire's mum, and uh, you're, you know, just try and sort of enter into it. So I sort of entered, I tried to enter into this, what I was feeling was, this a bit of a kind of boring service, and you know, it's a cold church. It's a good Anglican church. It was cold, unfriendly, um, you know, an old battered kind of order of service that you can't read. You know, it's perfect Anglicanism. And I, if, you, if you go around. And uh, so I remember, and then I remember it sort of started and I got greeted in the Lord's name. I thought it was very nice because normally I get, you know, I don't do it. And someone said, the Lord be with you. And I was quite pleased about that. I thought that's nice. So uh, then we all said, also, also with you. And then, and then we started by saying all the stuff we had done wrong in our lives. Not, I don't mean personally we'd get up and stand up and say it. But we started with what's called confession, like uh, Caelan just did there. And we'd kind of clear, clear the decks. And I thought, gosh, this is a good thing to do, isn't it? Because in the church I led, we, we never did anything wrong. So we never confessed our sins, did we? You know, we were pretty perfect. You know, we were best friends with God and he liked us a lot. So best church ever. And uh, that's why we all came here. Anyway, so that, and um, so, you know, we confessed. I think that's good. And then, I th- and then they kind of read the Bible. And I thought, oh, I could listen to it now because so- I feel a bit cleaner inside. Do you know what I mean? And then Anne did a lovely little talk. I remember it was actually, it was about wines, old wineskin, a new wineskin from the gospel. And listen to that, it was great. I was feeling, this is, you know, this is you know it's still a bit cold and whatever but you know I'm, I'm getting into it and then we had a bit of communion which is great you know and you know just a little bit of bread which I took a bit of getting used to but we've all adjusted you know rather than a big kind of loaf and and it, you had to go up and receive it as if it's like a gift you know and you can my old church it was like a drive-through we just help ourselves and off we go but it was like a gift and I had these beautiful words around it thinking I like this and then right at the end uh you know um the chap there Alan Father Alan said you know go out and spread God's love, I can't remember the exact words, but go out and spread God's love and do his thing and catch you later. He didn't actually say that, he wouldn't, he's high Catholic, but you know, that was the kind of gist, and um, I said, catch you later, Al, and off I went, merrily on my way. And do you know what I thought when I was sitting there? I thought, this reminds me of Luke 24, and that's what you were all thinking, weren't you? I can see it on Shane's face. So now we're going to see how it reminds us, Kath, of Luke 24. So the one only Tay is going to read. And when Tay reads, it's, it's, it just brings it alive. No pressure, Tay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. That same day, two of Jesus' disciples were going to the village of Emmaus, which was about 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. As they were talking and thinking about what had happened, Jesus came near and started walking along beside them. But they didn't know who he was. Jesus asked them, what were you talking about as you walked along? The two of them stood there looking sad and gloomy. Then the one named Cleopas asked Jesus, are you the only person from Jerusalem who didn't know what was happening there these last few days? What do you mean, Jesus asked. They answered, those things that happened to Jesus from Nazareth, by by what he did and said, he showed that he was a powerful prophet who pleased God and all the people. We had hoped that he'd be the one to set Israel free, but it's already been three days since all this happened. Jesus then explained everything written about himself in the scriptures, beginning with the law of Moses and the book of the prophets. When the two of them came near the village where they were going, Jesus seemed to be going further. They begged him, stay with us, it's already late and the sun's going down. So Jesus went into the house to stay with them. After Jesus sat down to eat, he took some bread. He blessed it and broke it. Then he gave it to them. 
at once they knew who he was, but he disappeared. They said to each other, when he talked with us along the road and explained the scriptures to us, didn't it warm our hearts? So they got up and returned to Jerusalem. The two disciples found the 11 apostles and the others gathered together, and they learned from the group that the Lord was really alive and had appeared to Peter. Then the disciples from Emmaus told what happened on the road and how they knew he was the Lord when he broke the bread. Wonderful. Thank you, Tay. You read it so well. Um, so you're probably thinking, what, how, what, what are you doing, James? How, how's that all uh, kind of fit together? Well, stepping back a little bit, what we're doing at the moment is we're looking a little bit series of um, our story and our vision and our values, and we're going to go on to look at a bit more of our vision and values over uh, the next uh, couple of weeks. So hopefully, and it's all being uh, recorded apart from the bits I just did them, <laughs> and, um, uh, and you, can, you know, can catch up with it if you want to or uh, what have you. So one of the questions I get often asked, so before I got ordained in the church, I think it's when you become a, a proper vicar, as it were, um, I used to lead, like I've said before, a church in Stourbridge called Chornhill Church uh, for, I think I was there for nine years or so, I think. And then uh, before that, I led a church in London, started a church in London in Streatham, uh, just below Brixton, above uh, Croydon and Mitcham area, uh, part of a group of churches called Ichthus Christian Fellowship, and I was there. So Esther and I started that church there when we were 24 years old, 24 years old, and we weren't together. Do you know that we weren't together? And I asked her to plant the church, and she said yes, and the rest is history. There you go. There you go. Everyone's a bit suspicious now of that. But anyway, and then that Esther's my wife, those who didn't know. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Um, and so people often say, well, why did you become Anglican? Okay? That's often people say, why did you become an Anglican vicar? And other than the pension, uh, the other, it's not true. Uh, the, um, uh, actually, one of the genuine serious reasons is because it, it looked like on paper it was a really daft thing to do. So, Chorn was going really well. It was considered quite a large church. We had sort of 300 plus people there, um, uh, resourcing various things in the community and so on. So, there was nothing kind of happening in it that was wrong. Do, do you know what I mean? I got on with people and everyone was nice and, you know, it was fine. So, people have to say, well, why? You know, they're looking for the dirt, as it were. You know, why did you become Anglican, you know? And one of the reasons I give is Luke chapter 24 and the boring service, okay? Luke chapter 24 and the boring service. And let me explain why. What I've discovered is this, and what I found really beautiful is, is, is briefly put, and this is part of our vision to be a thriving Anglican church, is what Jesus does with those disciples in Luke chapter 24, which we're going to go through, and forgive me, I haven't got a PowerPoint, but what he does with them as we walk through it is what we try to do in every Anglican church service. It's what we try to do. Not saying we always get it right, but particularly here, that's what we try to reenact in every service. So what Jesus does in Luke chapter 24 with his disciples, uh, with, uh, they think it possibly was a husband and wife, they're not sure, as he's walking along the road, we try and see happen every Sunday, every Wednesday, in every church service. And that's one of the reasons, actually, I became Anglican. And that's one of the key things at the heart of who we are as top church is this pattern of worship. So shall I explain what I mean by that? Uh, now you've kind of got the, the two kind of gists. The first is, is this thing. You've got the disciples, uh, Cleopas and the other person, forgot the names, and um, uh, potentially kind of husband and wife, I'm not sure, um, posturing along, and they are just uh, down, and they're fed up. They're just kind of 
got to a loose end, that sense of disappointment of things not quite happening to the way they ought to be. Do you know that feeling when you're a bit down and you're a bit fed up and you don't quite know what's happening and they're walking along and their hearts are down and they're fed up. And then as they're kind of chatting away, slowly but surely and beautifully, Jesus as a stranger comes alongside and starts walking with them, starts walking with them, starts walking with them. So they're fed up, they're down, they've got some stuff there, you know, feeling a bit heavy loaded, disappointed, they're chatting it through, and then Jesus walks along with them. When we gather as a church, one of the, we don't do it straight away because just, we just don't, but one of the things, one of the things we do do, we ought to do straight away, is what's, how that's been translated is what's called confession of sin, confession of sin. That's what uh, Caleb led us in and we do each week and is so crucial, is that moment when we recognise that actually we're a bit fed up, we're a bit down, we don't quite get everything right. Often Sarah uses that lovely phrase, we bring our whole selves into God's presence. In my previous settings, and I was the leader, so I'm responsible for it, so I'm only criticising myself, um, you know, we would just burst into God's presence happily sit there all day long and, you know, play catch or whatever and, um, and congratulate ourselves how brilliant we are. Um, but actually, we'd never have a chance to say, do you know what, I really mucked up this week, Jesus. Or, do you know, today, Jesus, I just feel really, really naff. Or I just feel emotional. Or my kids haven't slept in 20 years and I'm at my wit's end, you know. Or I just, you know, I don't really want to be here today, but I just happened to be here because I thought I ought to come along. Do, do you see what I mean? We never had that space what's called kind of confession or the healing, healing of our soul, the cure of our souls. So that's the first thing Jesus does. When he's resurrected, when he's in his resurrected form, he comes alongside us and he says, how, how are you doing? And you can say, well, I'm not doing very well, actually. And he says, oh, what's wrong? Well, you know, this is this and that and that. And they just, he just gathers it all up, gathers it all up and places it all into the Father's arms for us. And that's what we do in our confession. That's at the heart of who we are, is that genuine, authentic of Jesus just gathering up. But it doesn't end then. Then he gathers up. And then they're, then they're like, oh, I thought, he, you know, this Messiah chap was going to do this, that, and the other. And there's this beautiful verse that, that Tay read, and that he said that he opened up the Scriptures. Did you, did you notice that? He opened up the Scriptures, and he told them about everything in the, the law and the prophets. That's a really quick way of summing up the Hebrew scriptures or, or as we call it often in Christianity is the Old Testament and he's, he got hold of the law and he got hold of the prophets and would you have loved to have been there when Jesus was explaining the whole of the Old Testament the Hebrew Bible it'd be pretty cool wouldn't it I mean you'd pay for that wouldn't you I mean they got it for free but you, you know, it's an online course you'd pay for and, and he's explaining it all to them and he says this everything in there was leading up to talk about me that's Jesus. Talk about Jesus. He was saying everything in the scriptures was there to point to Jesus. Now, that's a massive hermeneutical statement, isn't it, Caleb? Caleb's still getting over it, you know. But, but everything, everything in there is leading up to Jesus. It is just a wonderful piece of practical advice and theological advice. We won't go into it at this moment. But it's a wonderful thing that all the words, okay, all the words in the word, the Bible, is pointing to 
the Word, the Word of God. See what I did there? Good. I, was, I like that. Anyway, so all the words in the Word is pointing to the Word, and Jesus opens it up. So if, you're, if we're reading our Bibles and it doesn't tell us about Jesus, I'm really pleased you're reading your Bibles, but I don't know what you're reading, <laughs> okay, because it's there to tell us about Jesus. Jesus said, uh, all those bits in the Bible, says, they're there to testify about me, he says in John's Gospel. And in Luke's Gospel, he says, it's all there to show people about me, Jesus, which is why it sounds a really silly thing to say. We are Christians, not Godians. See what we did there? Yeah, have a mal on that, uh, Shane. Uh, we're Christians. We're Christians, we're not Godians, because in Christ, we see God has revealed himself and shown himself, and we look at it and see on it. And as we look at the scriptures together, the word comes alive. So back to a little Sunday afternoon here. It's going to get a bit chilly over the next few months, but never fear, Top Church will be nice and warm. So, so you've, you've, got, you've got up, hopefully before four o'clock, but anyway, you're on your way to church, come to church, feeling a bit naff, da 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 and then, you know, Jesus comes alongside you, you say you're starting to feel better, and then you're ready to receive the scriptures, and so then we open up the scriptures to us. Now, the cool thing about an Anglican church is if you've not got an Anglican background, you get 10-minute sermons mostly, don't you? It's quite, quite nice. Now, some of you are disappointed with that, so every now and again we do a service of the word, like today, you get a whole 22 minutes. It's crazy, I know, and even that feels long now, doesn't it? That's how far we've, or short we've come, or whatever. Um, but, but you open up the scriptures, so you confess your sins, and you open up the scriptures. But the beautiful thing there, and it says there that our hearts were burning within us when he opened up the scriptures. Do you love that? If, if you, know, you know at the end of the day, yeah? I mean, not every sermon's any, any good, do you know what I mean? Just whatever, and you have to put up with us, really. But, but you know in your heart of heart, when a sermon is really good, when what the person is speaking kind of happens in you, 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 you know, something starts to happen in you and your hearts burn within you. Something is moving in you. You're thinking, I remember um, one old man my old church in London. I'd spoken, I used to speak for a lot longer in those days, believe it or not, and um, proper Christian. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, and this guy said, I don't know what you're going on about, James, but carry on. It's kind of making me feel good because something was happening in him as I was that sense of Jesus coming alive and their hearts were burning within them. But that's not it. Then the cool thing happens is then he leads them to the bread and he leads them to the wine and he leads them to the table. And as he shares the bread and he shares the wine, it says their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. They didn't see Jesus in the confession, they caught a glimpse of his love. They didn't totally see Jesus in the word. They, they knew it was about him, but it was in the bread and it was in the wine that their eyes were open. Something really powerful happened. It's kind of bread, but it's not bread. It's kind of wine, but it's not wine. Something really powerful happened when he gave them the bread and he gave them the wine. They were like, whoa, this is making me dizzy now. I can see Jesus. And their eyes were open. And here's the cool thing, which I'm sure some of you will be uh, mulling on, is this. The same word in the Greek for eyes opened is exactly the same for the he in the similar words to the Hebrews happens in the book of um, Genesis in um, the Garden of Eden. It says they were op- their eyes were open and they felt shame. It says their eyes were open and they felt naff. They felt shame. Jesus comes along, gives us some bread. Same phrase. Their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. Imagine being blind Bartimaeus. You've been blind all your life and your eyes are open. What's the first thing you see? see Jesus. I mean, there's something beautiful about that, isn't it? Their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. So we've come in, 
confessed our sins, got that all sorted. We've opened up the scriptures. We've gathered around the table. We've had our bread. We've had our wine. And there's a, some mystical spiritual encounter that I so believe happens around communion. don't know how it happens, why it happens, in what way it happens, but something happens. I don't know, sometimes it feels like nothing happens, but even when nothing happens, something's happening in a way because God is still at work in these things. And then there's the cool thing. The next thing they do is um, they don't start a club. They don't run a conference. Uh, they don't start an alpha course. Um, they uh, go on their way to Jerusalem rejoicing all the way to Jerusalem and they go out praising God and so going back to my boring service you remember that one go back to my boring service from my boring service and right at the end remember there's that final blessing sometimes we say as well that final blessing where that we were sent out into the world the beautiful pattern of a church service at the heart of a thriving Anglican church is that we coming feeling a bit naff it's, we can feel happy by the way we don't have don't have to feel naff to come to church, but it helps. But anyway, uh, you, know, you come in, uh, however you're feeling, we receive God's forgiveness. We encounter him through the scriptures. The table is opened up to us and somehow our eyes are open and we see Jesus. And then at the end, after we've had a bit of cup of tea and a cake, we are sent on our way rejoicing to share that story and to share that pattern with others. And for us at Top Church, that is one of the key things in our life together as a church. And that's kind of what is at the heart, as it were. To be a thriving Anglican church means loads of different things that we do, which we talk about as the weeks unfold, about being a blessing to the community. Got lots to tell you about resourcing other churches coming up real soon, actually. Got some uh, job opportunities as well, and all sorts of wonderful things coming up uh, in and through Top Church. But I really want us to focus this afternoon, just to kind of lodge that in our brains, that Luke 24, that what we do here is we try and reenact that Luke, wonderful Luke 24 service, which is partly at the heart of who we are.